So Tim Powell, welcome to Pastor Kingdom. Tim Powell, please, first of all, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, Jack, good morning, and uh, and thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Uh, introduction. So uh, I live in Houston, Texas. I was born and raised in Long Island, New York, and uh, I, I'm 31 years old, married to my beautiful wife, Erica, and we have two kids, uh, Victoria and Mateo Powell. I work in the oil and gas industry in a, in a corporate development role. I overlook the Americas for a firm called the Oil and Gas Council. And yeah, I'm, uh, we met prob- almost, almost a year ago, seems like a lifetime ago in, uh, in Fiji. Yeah. So which is different world. Yeah. Different worlds for sure. But, um, I'm glad we did cross paths. Absolutely. And yeah, meeting in Fiji is kind of a theme of my life, right? International is something that has been a big, uh, a big passion path for me and uh it's just ironic that we're on on your podcast talking about life and what drives it and where we met was in fiji is is quite fitting so that's uh, actually beautifully put them it's uh we met in a different world when rules were different when when everything was different and we had no idea when we had that talk in the sauna, we met, we discussed, we had a really deep talk in the sauna and uh, in that beautiful spa. And we had no idea that a year from today or even a month from that, from then, the world will be different. Tim, could you please uh, share quickly about the gigs you're involved in? Because you work with in the oil and gas industry, but you do a few other gigs, right? Yeah. So the, the firm I'm with, uh, and this you know, I, I think what, what I've really loved about this company, I've been with them for seven years, is I spent all my time with the CEOs of oil and gas companies and the heads of investment banks, the heads of private equity funds, and arguably two of the most powerful sectors in the world, oil and gas, which powers, you know, the the energy of, of, of the world, and finance, which, you know, obviously not just for oil and gas, but just globally uh, makes the world turn. So these are incredibly smart individuals, incredibly inspirational, uh, entrepreneurial, successful, you name it. And that's all I do is spend time with them. Now, what my firm does is help connect these individuals, help further their business needs, help them form partnerships, help them raise money, help them deploy money. And so my job is just to speak with everyone, know what everyone does, and plug them in accordingly. So we've been doing that for about a decade. Uh, We're headquartered in London. We're based in Beijing and Singapore and South Africa and the Middle East. And I'm in Houston and I overlook Canada, US and Latin America. So I have the pleasure of, of, before COVID, flying around, going to Rio, going to Bogota, going to Mexico City, going to Denver, Midland, Houston, New York, Calgary, you name it. And, uh, And I love it because the PL of our business is an events business, but the value driver and the MO of the business is to really sell networking, to sell access, to sell the handshake, if you may. Yeah. And, uh, and so my product is, is relationships with incredible people. And over time, especially as I become a, a father and a family man, you start to share those things with clients. And so clients become friends. And then the game yeah. gets really fun and fulfilling that when you're working with like friends. Good. That creates a lot of rapport. Yeah. hundred percent. 
that's that's incredible tim but um when you are among this type of people the the a players in their game that means you are an a player yourself they because well, i mean let's face it we we usually only connect with people that have the same passions the same level maybe of of passion towards growth and towards development and life um what drives you to get to that level the biggest thing you know if, if you were to say oh, tim what's your five-year goal or 10-year goal or what do you want to do by the time you retire i never really had that answer but i always loved the process so what drives me is really the game of business if that makes sense um you know i it's it's 4 30 in the morning right now in houston this is not a an uncommon thing i don't wake up in the morning saying man I'm on, on the way to that goal so I can go on, on this incredible vacation with my family or buy a bigger house or buy a faster car. It's never been, it's never been the goal. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, uh, I've, had, I've been blessed to do incredible things, travel incredible places, I love all that stuff, but that's not the main driver. So uh, ultimately, and this is what I really miss most about what we're going through right now with COVID is just the human connection, uh, being with people and you know, every time I come back from lunch, hey, Eric, I got another couple, international couple, French guy, and he's, he's got a wife from Brazil. Like, we, we got to go out to dinner, right? The, just the, uh, the, from a people perspective, just connecting and exploring, you know, their backgrounds, of, specifically international, is really intriguing and exciting for me. So that, I don't know if that really answers the question, but it, it's just always been the process that I've enjoyed. And that's why, you know, you and I met at a Tony Robbins uh, conference. That's why I love Tony Robbins platform so much is because it's always about developing and, and improving yourself. And the Tony Robbins platform itself is an experience. Uh, and that process of just connecting with people in person and just that, that live experience, which is so unique is what I enjoy the most. It's not that, I go in there and I only want to increase, you know, what I make or these hard benchmarks. You, I could go in and, and people say, well, what was, what was the ROI in that investment with Tony Robbins? I'd be like, if I, if I did the math, it, it's going to be significant, but I could learn nothing and walk out of that and be, yes. my, my life is, is in a different place. So yeah. Uh, the process, the game, if that makes sense. And that, that's going to evolve Actually, and change. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because in Path to Kingdom, we say we really start and coaching in general, we start with setting out a goal, right? And then you say, okay, when you reach that goal, this is a lot of people say, okay, when I reach that goal, I will have my kingdom and then I'll be a king and a queen and then everything will be happy every, ever after. But the idea is to of Path to Kingdom, as you move towards that goal, blocks will come internally and as you deal with them, you learn to connect with yourself more. And then you realize that the kingdom is never in the destination. It's actually in the path. It's in the now. And I love how you put it. It's like, I don't wake up because, oh, one day I'm going to travel. I wake up for the game. The game is right now. Then you play with life. What helped you arrive at looking at that life in such an advanced way of fulfillment? I think this is incredible. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think I've always been mature for my age. Um, 
for everyone listening out there, you know, whatever your beliefs are in spirituality or religion, you know, is, is definitely um, up to you. But I've always been a believer of there's, there's something beyond this life and there's, there's, we didn't just start from scratch. Right. I, I think there's definitely uh, the ball has been in motion for a while. Right. And for whatever We're reason, I've had, yeah, I've had, a lot of experience um, before I came to this lifetime. And I've been surrounded by people who have further enhanced that. So I, I grew up, so when, when I was a little kid, I grew up in a golfing family and we belonged to a golf club. And so I, from the age of six onwards, was at the golf club for 14, 15 hours a day. And if I wasn't at the golf course, I was working out for golf or I was uh, meditating to get a better mental game around golf. I was just very, very intense with it. Huh, and I, yeah, yeah. And, but, you know, so imagine a six to seven year old and, and I, I can't even think of it, me being myself, I have a five-year-old daughter. I can't imagine my, in a year, year and a half, Victoria going and playing golf with 60 year old men and women just on her own, just socializing I, I was always doing that. I was always very comfortable around older people. I knew how to carry myself. My my parents clearly were were comfortable with that. And I remember this is before cell phones. People would call the house and uh, they were, hey, Janet, this is Mike Pizlak. This is Tom Wendelkin. Oh, hey, Tom, you want to talk to Skip? No, 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 actually, uh, is Tim there? We want to play golf with him tomorrow. And I'm like eight, nine years old, right? These are like, uh, you know, 50, 60-year-old men, you know, run, running businesses and everything. So I was always able to create that rapport, genuinely, by the way, right? I was never saying to myself, oh, um, let me act this way when I go to the golf course. I've always been core and genuine to my true self and how I felt. So I was always very comfortable in these situations. And then, you know, I had incredible parents or have incredible parents that have been great role models, integrity, being humble, um, were always things that I mirrored growing up. And then, you know, again, you, in my job now at that golf club, imagine a private golf club, there's a lot of, a lot of successful people. So, uh, you know, you, you gravitate towards those people. You, you mirror them, you see what they say, what they do, how they, how they talk. Uh, and then just different coaches that have come in my life along the way have molded this perspective. It's not like I was always like that. I think you get reflective and you can reverse engineer a lot of things. But what, what's interesting, we're in a podcast right now. Podcasts have become a big part of my content consumption, I would say, the last two to three years. Mm -hmm. And so Tony Robbins podcast, uh, there's a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a big marketing entrepreneurial type guy. If I'm, if I'm in their ear uh, or they're in my ear, 50 minutes a day, hour and a half a day when I'm in the car, that th these types of messages are constantly being reinforced. And so that, I think that's helped shape it as well. And then you start, they, they say things over and over and over again, and it becomes a, a way of thinking. And then all of a sudden it starts to manifest in your own life. And then, mm -hmm. and then that reinforces what, what they said that I already believe. And it's a, it's a whole daisy chain uh, that, Kind of continues to go round and round and round, right? That's beautiful. You mentioned um, modeling, and you mentioned mentors. What? A this is actually beautiful, right? Because you said two things. You said I go into these settings, 
and I'm myself. And at the same time, so you're not putting a front, you're not faking as being something else, which is great. But also you say, I look at these people and where they are, and I see where I am and I'm being myself, and I actually let myself be inspired by their path. What in, how did that happen? How did that programming happen? Because in coaching, we often talk about modeling. Find someone who does what you want to do and model them, and you're gonna get there, right? What got you taught that principle so early on? It, it, it wasn't conscious. And I would say I don't consciously do it now. I don't go, oh, I like this person. Let me model them. I, I think, I guess, looking at my job now, I, there's an interesting dynamic, right? I, uh, I, have, I represent the largest network of oil and gas financiers and investors and executives in the world for the Americas, right? My company's incredible. We're very good at what we do. So I'm the gatekeeper to all, all these relationships, all this intel, um, and I, but I'm younger. I, I've always been younger. And so I can legitimately help my clients that are 30, 40 years my senior. So I can help them further their businesses. But then as we develop a personal relationship, where I would make a connection that would help them uh, do a transaction, they would then turn around and mentor me personally. So it was this really, uh, it's a strange dynamic, right? Where you think of the the senior mentor and then the student, and you always think of like the, uh, you know, going and okay, uh, Mensa, what do, what's the next step path for, right? And all this stuff where it's kind of like, I have something to help. It's like this quid pro quo transaction that we don't really talk about. And they go, I really like Tim. I see parts of myself in Tim or he's, he really cares. He really means well by my business. I want to, I want to help him in any way I can to succeed. I, I genuinely feel like that happens so much in my life and I'm, I'm blessed for it. Um, but there, there's a there's a human connection there that leads us down that path, and then when you start, when someone starts to open the 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 hood of the car and let you kind of see inside, uh, to use a for lack of better words, use a, an analogy. That's where I think the modeling comes in. It's not conscience really, but I'm I'm there. I'm in the room. I'm around, and then the 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 Tony Robbins events, right? You're in the mix. You're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of that energy. You're around incredible thousands people. Thousands of people who want to grow. Thousands of people whose life is about growth and development and and helping each other, right? Because that's part yeah. of growth. It's one of the human needs that we have to contribute. It's one to grow and one to contribute unconditionally. I was actually, it's beautiful that you got into this. I wanted to ask you, I was like thinking, I wonder how the um, the men and women that you mix with, how they see you. If you were to just kind of con- like get your consciousness out of your body and into into theirs and to look at yourself, would that uh, are you happy to try doing this? Like to look at yourself and see what they see in you and how they come to the process. Like, oh, I would love to help this young man out and uh, get him to the next stage. So. It's interesting. I think that um, there, there's a couple levels of connection, right? There's just the human level connection and someone just, you develop a rapport and you like them, they like you, and you just try to help each other, right? I think 
specific to the business context I'm talking about, the, the mantra of you have to always add value has been really cemented uh, through Gary Vaynerchuk's content and then Tony Robbins as well. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk has a saying, 5149, which I love. said, in every interaction, in life and in business, give 51%, expecting 49% in, in return, which is another way of saying, you know, don't go into uh, an exchange in business trying to get one up on somebody. Always give more. If you always give more, you always have leverage. And this is not being deceitful, right? You just always have leverage. Uh, We'll give an example, COVID. People have to let clients go. They have to let employees go. When you've continually added value forever, you have leverage in that scenario to keep price the same, to stay employed, keep them as a client, so on and so forth. And so that mantra of, okay, I'm, I'm in this business interaction or I, I need to grow this unit or execute this project. What can I do that is kind of the accepted business practice? And then how do I triple the value in that? I've always done that. And so for a long time, I, I think I personally enjoy doing that and being having raving fan clients. I think that's ultimately, you know, it's actually interesting. When I, I'm not a hard-nosed negotiator. I'm not. I'm, I'm very much in sales. I drive the revenue in for our business. Uh, but I was very uh, subconscious about this as I started my business career. I said, you know, I'm not going to be there. And if it's, if it's worth $10 and I say it's worth $10, I'm great, right? And if you would have paid 12, I'd be like, no, 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 but it's worth 10. I hmm. always felt like I'm going to lose in business because of that. Because the next guy who's a hard-nosed negotiator is going to back into the corner. He's going to get 13 out of you. Now, what I've learned is that, one, uh, nice guys do win in business. um, And relationships matter. And in the longer term, people want to do repeat business. They build and sell companies multiple, multiple times. And, And the reality is when you build trust, trust is is the currency that's strongest uh, in business for sure. And I've actually embraced this part of my personality because if I say, hey, Jack, it's worth $10 and you agree, after a while you go, Tim's a trustworthy guy. Like he's not gonna screw me out of this or Tim's always gonna over deliver. We can, when when it's not 100% clear what the value proposition here, we just know he'll do whatever he can to deliver. And it's just, yeah, whenever, and, and that can be in your personal relationships, that can be in friendships. It's the, the old, you know, metaphor of, you know, if something happens in my life, who are the three people I call that need to fly up right away, no matter where they're in the world to see me? Like that, it, that's the, your best friend, right? That's someone you have in your corner. Yeah. It's the same mentality for friendship. Why, why is it different friendship, marriage, father, you know, father, mother, business. Uh, so always, you know, always giving more than you expect in return. And that's always been the mentality. And that has started to manifest itself into some beautiful relationships and opportunities. So now that, you know, I'm a little over 10 years into my career, doing that repeatedly for 12 to 14 hour days on top of, uh, you know, in, you know, getting great opportunities has started to manifest in some, some really cool paths. 
And so that, you know, I think patience is such an important thing. I I think one thing as I I reflect in the seat I am today, I was always wanting to be the leader, always wanting to, you know, be in charge and coach people. And, And this was even at a younger age of in my teenager years, I was always the captain of the team. And, and I remember when I played on the golf team at Rice University, I wanted to be the captain when I was a freshman. And the coach is like, freshmen aren't captains, you need experience. And that always frustrated me because I always felt, again, like wise beyond my years and more mature. But experience is so important. I've learned that. And you, I think maybe in our generation, Jack, uh, that's lost a little bit, right? How important the experience is in leading a team, a company, yeah. Um, yeah. or just in a situation in life, you can read about something as much as you want, but in, until you taste it firsthand, it, it's really difficult to appreciate it. So, it's um, the difference between reading the theory of swimming in water and actually jumping in water. You might exactly. flap a little bit less gracefully than it is written, but you actually have experience. I also, Tim, I can't ignore the fact that I'm. Not only I'm getting an insight, uh, and our listeners are getting an insight into what it really means to be authentic. It's um, if I take a step back and I look at like kind of a world image, the world view that you have, um, and the world view that m- most people have are different. I I remember the first time I went to into a coaching session, and I said to my coach. Actually, it was my second session, I think. I said, you know, I was talking to her and I said, you know, most people are miserable and unhappy and life is difficult. And she looked at me a bit surprised and she said, no, I I don't really see that. And she told me like, actually, I see most people are happy. They're after their, after, you know, they go out of their houses, they go after their goals, they have hopes, they have, yeah, sometimes struggles, sometimes frustrations, but it's their life, they're dancing with life, they're looking forward to seeing their friends. And that was a bit of a shock because in my mind, hey, everyone knows most people are miserable. But then she introduced this new view. And then afterwards, I remember I was in, in a conference in Sofia and I sat next to this river and I just see an old man and a young woman locking arms. And before I'd be like, ha, 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 this is a woman after his money. He's an old man after. But then I was like, I looked at them and I said, no, this is a grandfather and a granddaughter just having a walk by the water. The, the worldview was different. And in uh, what interested me, like what really caught me on about what you said is that all these men who are powerful and women who are powerful and they are leaders in their own right, but they look at you and they want to help. They're not trying to one-up you. They're not trying to say, oh, this guy is gullible. And I, I imagine a lot of people imagine your world to be the opposite, humans to be the opposite. What do you now, say to that? I remember when I first came to the company, I, uh, you know, I, I like to go out and have drinks and socialize and have fun, right? With client entertainment, that's part of it. But, you know, I remember there was always, I've always felt the pressure. Oh, I'm going to have to take clients to strip clubs. and I'm going to have to do these things I don't really want to do personally, but it's part of the job. I always thought that was going to be the, the gig. And what I found was, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have good core family values, good core values in general, 
um, that don't want to do that stuff and also have successful businesses that we can do business with. And so as I've run and grown this region by myself, all my best clients are all incredible people. And the ones that are, you know, want to take advantage of you or think you're gullible or want to just do shady things on business trips, right? They all gravitate towards themselves and they self-select and isolate. And, and I, I made a conscious decision years ago when I, when I realized, okay, there's plenty of fish in the sea to do business with where you can have your cake and eat it too. You can make your money and you can build incredible relationships and you can enjoy it along the way. Once I start to establish myself and said, you know what, I don't need to chase that company's money and then have the uncomfortable interaction that I don't agree with ethically. Um, that, that was a defining point for sure. Just to realize like there's, there, there's a, again, the, the nice guy can win in business, right? Um, it's kind of a, like a takeaway. And the, the other thing- Thoughtful takeaway. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Um, it, for sure, it's just- Must be a surprise, a shock for a lot of people, I, I bet. It's, um, it, we live, we project an image about the world and we live that image. We project rules, we project the story that we project. It's really our own. We think that everyone thinks the same, but it's not the case. We project yeah. that story. Perception is reality, right? Reality is not reality, perception is reality. I, yeah. I always tell my wife too, this is kind of my own uh, theory on life. You know, everyone talks about the 1% financially, right? Mm-hmm. There's the 1%, but I was like, but people don't talk about the 1% of happiness, the 1% of marriages, the 1% of fathers and mothers, the 1% of fitness and health. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Like I was like, if you want to achieve being the 1%, you need to work really hard at it. You need to seek the best resources. And so I always, my wife will, will turn to me and be like, you know, oh my God, there's so many people that we know that are getting divorced or they're cheating on each other. Or God, so-and-so, I feel terrible for them. They're just, they're depressed. They're, their relationship's dead. And I just looked at her and I said, we have a beautiful marriage, but we work on it. And it's a living animal that breathes and evolves. It's like, I want to be in the 1% of marriages. And I feel like if you understand that, where people, you know, Tony always talks about this, right? Like, everyone focuses on money, at least in the Western world. And then they assume everything else is going to fall online, but you have to, the wheel of life, you have to put equal effort um, and time and resources and money into other things. And so, yeah, I, I, that, that's what I believe is like, you, I want to strive to be the 1% in all these different facets. So I have a balanced life. Um, but I, I don't know also, that also doesn't mean that nine, the other 99% of people in these categories have horrible lives. I'm intrinsically positive. I'm a half, glass half full type of guy. Um, you know, when it's cold, you go skiing, you don't freeze to that. Just You can go on and on and on with these, these metaphors. That's always me. And I agree with you, right? I think that was a beautiful example of, oh my God, look at this gold digger trying to get this old man's money. And it's like, oh, incredible like i had a great time with my grandparents uh, that's so cool that this granddaughter spent time with her grandfather i mean you can get really cynical very quickly when you go down that road um and so i think it's 
maybe, especially now with social media and everything, you have to catch yourself, um, kind of step outside of your own perspective and be your own mental check, right? I, I love all of this. I, I'm actually collecting some of the qualities that I'm seeing in you and not only the qualities, but also the practices that you have. In Path to Kingdom, before I go to this, you mentioned the Wheel of Life, which is actually uh, to all our listeners or people who are watching us, if you click on the link below, sign up, we're going to send you the Wheel of Life uh, tool that allows you to just look at your life and then see what areas are working, what areas are not. And we are almost, you could say, we're like a vehicle. You could have the engine work so well, but if the tire is is not working really well, or if the wheel is kind of cranky there or rusty, then the whole vehicle is not going to operate at its optimum. Um, how did the wheel Think of about life? It, Jack. Like in the in the car wheel metaphor, if the if the wheel was made of Legos and it's jagged and it's got edges, how well is that car going to run? Versus it being a smooth rubber tire, right? I, I, that was one Beautiful. of the most powerful things I've ever learned, and so. Everyone's going to be able to appreciate this. We've all been there. We still, it's an ongoing art, right? The art of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. We've achieved something. And then you, you actually feel a little depressed for a while. Or certain things go, or sometimes you wake up and you're just, you're off. I constantly analyze that and try to reverse engineer it so that I'm, you know, always in this, you know, fulfilled, amped state. Um, so I've, and the wheel of life is an important part of that. That's why I bring it up. So you got to, you know, in the wheel of life, you think about it as a pizza, right? You got to think about what are the pieces of pizza that make up my life? And that could be fitness. It could be business, relationships, whatever, whatever it is for everybody, right? There's usually at least six to seven. Yeah. What, what I, what everyone will find is when you focus on this, you neglect other things and, and over compensate with others and there's an imbalance there and that will lead to you know feeling down or you know these kind of these gluts right and you know COVID's a great time to have a lot of self-reflection because you can't drown yourself in noise amazing finally we have space to stop running being busy ourselves with with all these things that like drug us I call them drugs even work sometimes if it really takes you away from yourself, it's a drug. It's a, it's another excuse to run away from facing that that person. Um, uh, so wheel of life, yes, I love the way. Yeah, it's like a pizza, different slices. Each slice represents an aspect of your life. There's relationship, finance, career, even playtime, which a lot of times we need. Like, could you tell me a little bit about your playtime? How do you, in in the midst of being a, a husband, a father? Uh, you, you are like a, an incredible uh, partner in your business. You are raising the profile of your company, constantly thinking. I remember before we spoke, you mentioned um, before the podcast, you said, I always like to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, in the space of all of this, where do you find space for Tim? And what do you do to connect to them? Yeah, so I, I gotta be. I don't know if this is like a bit of a bummer answer, but I honestly I love the personal development stuff. That to me, 
is my happy place. Uh, that is I, such a bummer answer. But why is that a bummer answer, Tim? <laughs> no, no. Everyone's like, oh, you know, I love to play golf or I love to work on the car. It's not one of those cliche things for me. Okay. Um, you know, so I played golf competitively growing up. I'll, I'll join a club eventually. I'll play golf. It, for me, though, I was playing to turn pro. I was playing to become a D1 golfer. Now when I go out there, there's really no fire in my belly. And I enjoy it and I'm good at it and I enjoy the social aspect of it. But, you know, when I'm out there, I'm not like I have this burning desire to to go tee it up five times a week. I just don't. What I really love is just uh, fueling the mind and learning. And right now, the game for me is not golf. The game is business. And, you know, I, I think to to kind of gravitate away from burning out or, be, or working too much in the weekends or everything it's and I'm in this process and we, and you're helping me with this right offline discussions about leveraging your time and leveraging resources and stuff to get more efficient but yeah the the I always joke around to Eric I go you know I would rather go to a Tony Robbins seminar a business mastery seminar five days sleep three hours a night spend the money then go sit on the beach in Cancun and drink pina coladas and she's like, you're crazy. And I go, it's a hundred percent unequivocal. The truth. I love that shit. I love it. Like I get, so it, you know, you go there, you walk out of there on fire. What else do you want in life? We go, to, why do we go to Cancun? Why do we do it? I, I don't know. People are like chasing this mystical, like feeling of, like, I feel that well, I'm alive. I'm, I'm going to be innovative, innovative. I'm going to, connect with people, which is super important for me. I'm going to, you know, help make, I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to learn. I'm going to make money so I can give. What else do you want? That's, that's the, that's the name of the game. Right. So for right now, it's that type of stuff. And, you know, I came across a guy on, uh, on Russell Brand. Yeah. Russell Brand's podcast. And then he made the rounds. This guy called Vim Hoff, uh, known as the Iceman, yes, uh, re yeah. really interesting character. And so he, he has all these world records for subjecting his body to extremely cold temperatures, sitting in a, a, a vat of ice, swimming under glaciers, like ridiculous stuff. But he started, he, he claims that everything he does is driven by meditative and breathing techniques, which he's patented, it's called the Wim Hof method. And now he's back testing it with science to prove that his mind is actually changing the chemical balances in his body. So there's a couple of documentaries out there, great entertainment, right? And you could listen to it or watch it and say, crazy guy, right? Like doing crazy stuff. I looked at it and go, this guy's doing something different. Yeah. I don't want to swim in glacier water, but there's something here. And so I became like absolutely obsessed with this guy for like two, three weeks. I watched and listened to every piece of content I could find based uh, for Vim Hof. And now I go, at, you know, at, at, you, you'll know it as the ice plunge, right? Yeah, yeah. Or cold plunge, I should say. So my pool, so right now it's uh, starting to get in the 50s, 60s Fahrenheit in Houston. So my pool in my backyard is getting cooler. And it's, it's in the 60s now uh, Fahrenheit which is not ice cold, but it's cold if, you know, if, if you're getting in a body of water. So I go in every morning and every night for 10 minutes 
And instead of going in and be like, ah, ah, and like yelling and stuff, I go in and I'm, I'm almost meditating. And it's this incredible calm that comes over you because your body's in fire fight mode, but your mind's in meditative state. And there's a, a, an interesting yin yang that happens in that. But, and it, you know, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but that kind of goes to a little bit of my passion, right? That's a personal development, that's content that gets me excited and juice, but it's also different because people think you're absolutely nuts for going in an ice cold pool. Mm-hmm. And part of that is intriguing to me. Not that I want to be this crazy guy, but I want to say, okay, I, I have a project to work on and I, you know, I'm an early morning guy. So I like to go to bed at nine or 10 at night, but if I need to stay up till midnight, I can either drink coffee, which I don't, or I can go jump in an ice pool and get a shot of energy. Yeah. 99% of the world drinks coffee. I jump in an ice pool. That's kind of my life in a nutshell is same result. What does everyone else do? Let me do it differently. And one, I, I believe that this gets good results and I'm trying to model very unique individuals that are thinking outside the box, but there's also a badge of honor there for whatever reason. I, I can't tell what it is. It's not like I'm trying to stick it to anybody or prove I'm better. I just like when it's different. It's just exciting. I think it's the, the human need of uncertainty that I'm exploring or, uh, you know, and then in, in that path. It gives you a lot of variety. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Looking also, back, yeah. you said, Tim, um, it's, uh, I actually have a list here. So if you want to get anywhere in life, if you want, so I'm getting here two major big lessons shouting at me here that I would love to share with people and would love your insight on them. On one hand, you want to you want to live like someone out there who's very happy, who's very accomplished, who is whose machine, whose vehicle or car is really functioning well. You gotta start to think about I need to then do things differently. Jim Ron says you'll always have the life that you have as long as you are the person who you currently are. In other words, he continues, you'll always have a bigger life than you already do if you yourself decide to be a bigger person. And here I'm seeing someone who's like, you know what? If I'm going to get to a different result than most of the population, I got to play differently. And then we go into the ritual. I see the ritual. I, I see an awesome man who looks at life not as life and death. I must get there or else. It's a game. I enjoy it right in the now. I, the rules are like I'm, I'm getting to know who plays it better than me. And I'm learning with them. I'm being authentic with them. I don't need to one-up them. My rules are to be authentic because I'm not going to give that up. I see they work hard. Yeah, it's like because now it's no longer such a hard work. It's a game. It's beautiful to get up and just go and play a game. I see someone's like, say, I want to admire beauty in learning. There's this interest, not only in learning, but in other people who actually want to learn and who benefit from learning the flow in life the ice pool i don't drink caffeine caffeine is really not good for my body it might allow me to wake up for a couple of hours but for maybe 10 or 12 i'm gonna my body's gonna crash and i want to do something that allows me to wake up and my body to even flourish afterwards that's beautiful ritual what are your what came to your mind that taught you this 
10, do a different yeah, ritual gotta, and you get a different result. I, I got a story around that. So I'm, I'm a senior in college and I'm an analyst at a merchant bank. And the merchant bank was privately owned by three partners and I was the analyst, so small shop. So I got a lot of FaceTime with these three partners and I'm very close with them today. Actually, the guy who gave me the ins and the outs of doing podcasting was one of these partners uh, that I'm about to tell you about. So it's always full circle, right? It's always full circle, but this guy's name's Matt Register. So his three partners, Larry Rogers, mid sixties, New York banker, suit and tie, you know, clean haircut, very well respected. If you think banker with gray hair, that's this guy, right? The middle partner was George Walden. He was in his fifties. He was kind of the balance between all the partners, right? The reliable guy, very smart, good relationship builder. And then there was Matt Register. He was in his late thirties. And this guy was unapologetically himself. <laughs> it's the only way I'll put it. He was very good at what he did, but he did not fit the mold. He did not want to wear a suit. He would be in a client meeting and have a, he'd have a dip in his lip. And, you know, he had cowboy boots and, you know, he was just not your traditional banker, but he was, he was really good at it and he was entrepreneurial. And so he was doing stuff and looking at things way different. And especially in what they did, they turned businesses around, right? They did mergers, uh, a lot of family business, a lot of small private. So looking at the glass differently was really important. And so he brought that skill set to the team. And he was valuable, so you kind of had to put up with his his, uh, his nuances and his quirks, right? And I remember all the partners sat me down at one point. Again, had a great personal relationship with them. And it was, Timmy, you know, what do you want to do with your life? Where are you going? What, what, what are the next steps? And I remember when I sat down with him and we're talking a little bit, he's like, listen, I got one piece of advice for you. He's like, in life, he's like, you got to look at what everyone else does. And you got to pull out the good parts of that and what got them from point A to point B. But you got to look around and say, what did they do that could be improved upon? And how can I do it better? Because you're going to get there much quicker. And he said, I, so he served in, um, he served in the army. And, you know, he told me about these stories of taking, you know, calculated risks that, jumped him up to become officer way quicker than anyone else. Um, he took some risk in, his, in business, helped triple the value and sell, sell his father's company. And so he said, Tim, you, why am I sitting here? Larry's 65, George is 55, and I'm in my late 30s. Why is that? Because of my good looks? He goes, no, I'm a slob. And he had a you know dry sense of humor too. But he was like, it's because I look outside the box and I take calculated risks. And he's like, look at the world like that and you're going to be all right. And I walked out of that meeting juiced. I mean, I can't even describe it, Jack. I walked out of that meeting. I'm like, I like that. Like I don't exactly, you can't really say, okay, this is the formula. Some people like the formula, you know, one plus one equals two. I'm more of an abstract thinker. Uh, that's why I'm really good at my job, right? I take a lot of abstract information and, connect the dots and create relationships out of it. This is just a mentality more than a formula. And I just said that from that point forward, this is how I want to do stuff. And it, it was always kind of, 
it was always inside me, but I think it's just one of those things, unless you're the reticular activator in your brain, right? Unless you look for it, you don't notice it. Yeah. And that, I think that, that was a point for sure, you know, in terms of doing stuff like that, right? Uh, outside the box, being different for sure, that I can think of like a defining moment. So on one hand, you have this modeling part where, okay, I model successful people, some of their habits, and I follow their tips in here and there. But also at the same time, I'm not going blindly. I have my own person. I'm looking at it. I'm going to use my God-given gift, which is my brain. Look at things and be creative. Do it slightly differently. Play with it. Because what is a game if it's not fun, right? Yeah, I, I think now that we're talking, really, so I always joke around with people and I say, if I could do it the proven way uh, and get it, get something done in 12 hours, or I can do it the completely unproven way and it takes 24 hours, so two times the amount, the end result's the same, but the one that took two times the amount of time, I can say I own it, no one's ever done it this way. Strangely, I'll do that. Now, that can be to your own detriment, but I think the silver lining in that is that I learn way more than the other person. And so the second, third, fourth, fifth time afterwards, I can do it in six hours, right? So again, just using a like a, a hypothetical scenario there, but because you broke away from the rules of the game in a sense. Yeah, you, you get in the weeds, you you trip, you fall, you say, oh, okay, that didn't work. And instead of reading that this won't work, I'm like, why doesn't that work? Let me try it. Oh, I get it now. But when I was trying this out, I actually learned this little insight. And so that's the only way that you can find innovation is constantly to tinker. And that's what I'm really good at in my career. I'm very good at strategy. I'm very good at tinkering. I'm very good at kind of creating new business, new opportunities. It's not like I wake up and I'm the, the I'm this incredible ideas guy. You constantly throw stuff uh, against the wall, but you micro test, right? Because you don't want to say, you know what, this idea is going to change the world. I'm going to quit everything. I'm going to put 18 hours a day. I'm not going to talk to my family. I'm just going to do this idea 100%. No, no, no. You, you try a little bit here, a little bit there. And then all of a sudden, you know, success leaves clues and you start to ramp it up. And, and so that, I think, in, when, it, when you enjoy the process, you don't think of it as, because I could very much be like, God, what am I doing? I'm spending twice as much time as everyone else. I'm just enjoying the process along the way. And then, you know, being, being unique, being different, learning. Again, you're seeing these patterns, right? I'm, it's not that I've really thought about it like this. I'm just because we're having this conversation trying to reverse engineer it. And th there's something else, too. I, I don't know. I'd love your thoughts on this, Jack. Just intuition, that gut feeling. I, I don't Everyone kind of has a, a different sense of what that is. I've always had a very... It's just weird thing. I can't turn it on. It just happens mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about something or going to do something. I have this very, very strong feeling in my gut. And I look back and I go, okay, when I wanted a college scholarship, I had it. I had that certainty. I had that gut feeling. When I wanted to you know, have an international career, I had that gut feeling. When I, this is silly. It's like when I wanted to marry a Latin woman and I didn't, I couldn't dance. I couldn't speak Spanish. I just, had that gut certainty. And then I met Erica, right? It, whenever I have this two, I've, I've learned now with maturity and with time to follow that and to apply experience, apply tools and resources to fuel that feeling and manifest it a little more. And it's just, 
I'm a big believer in when you want something, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And it just happens somehow. I, I, that, I, I don't know the science behind that, but it just happens. Uh, I'll give you an example. So another conversation I had with Larry Rogers, who's also a partner of this merchant bank, mm-hmm. he sat down and this is very much the grandfather to grandson type talk, right? Son, okay. what do you want to do with your life? You know, how can I help, right? And the, the, the takeaway from that conversation was if he could do it all over again, he would love to have an international career in travel because finance is global, the world's connected, technologies bring us that direction. And if he could do it all over again, he'd live in London, he'd live in Sydney, he'd live in Toronto, New York. And I came out of that and I said, yeah, I was like, London, I like that. Never been to London, never really traveled internationally before. Don't really have a lot of international influence where I grew up. So why was that so intriguing? Don't know why, but all I thought about was London. I talked about it. I go to the bar with my friends. Yeah, yeah, so I want to go to London. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I went to the advisors at, my, at Rice. I said, who, who graduated from Rice that lives in London? Can you find that out? So they, they put me in touch with like three or four alums that lived in London. I said, oh, I, I want to go to London. I'm not sure how. You know, I, I like finance. I'm an analyst right now. It just so happened all these uh, alums that lived in London were bankers. So I said, that. Yeah, they all said... Work for a bank, a big bank, and you'll transfer after two years. Just work really, really hard, and they'll transfer you over. They'll pay for everything. That's what we did. It's a great path. And and if you want to move somewhere else, you can raise your hand again. I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a banker. I'm going to work really hard in New York, and then I'm going to get transferred. Hey, guys, London, this. When I go to London, I'm going to go to all these wineries. I'm going to travel Europe. I had this whole – I remember I had this whole folder – of stuff I wanted to do in Europe. So I was like building this whole picture. <laughs> What's funny is I didn't, I couldn't even get an interview for a big uh, bracket bank. Couldn't even get an interview. But I kept talking about London all the time. And, and why was I talking about, you know, why did I want to get into a big bank? Ultimately, you know, I was starting to define this career in finance and analysts. And I was going down that path, but I just wanted to explore international really. And London, I thought was the gate to that but I couldn't get what I thought was the vehicle to get there. Couldn't, couldn't even get the opportunity, right? To talk like we're talking right now. Yeah. I end up getting a job with a U.S., a private U.S.-based company that's been focused on the U.S. for the last 30 years. Same founder as the CEO uh, at that point. Had to, I had to get a job, had to pay the bills, right? I was graduating. Yeah. One month into that job, the guy forms a partnership with a tech company in India and that fat, that partner of that tech company was spending the month of May in London. <laughs> so I heard this and I was hired to do something completely different. And I went to the guy's office and I said, what's this I hear about London? And he was like, oh yeah, you know, I got this new partner and we're doing this, we're, we're building out this data platform. And you know, a lot, all the businesses internationally are headquartered in London for the most part. So my partner, he's spending the whole month of May there. This is the end of April. He's spending the month of May and we're going to, we don't know anybody. We don't have any contacts, but we're just going to, you know, knock on doors. We're going to try to open up business, create a pipeline. I go, well, uh, I'll set up meetings for him. He's like, you will? I was like, yeah. And I, I don't know why I said that. It's not like I have this like 
I had this super plan. And he said, Tim, you know, you're out, London is six hours ahead. And I like literally didn't know this, right? I mean, I'm so naive to all the details. I was just focused on the North Star of London. I said, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll come in early, whatever you want, three, four in the morning, doesn't matter. It's like, all right, well, you're going to have to do that if you want to do this because I hired you for another job. I go, yes, sir. Set the guy 50 meetings for May. I mean, I was cold calling, I was Googling. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know the industry. And I just thought to myself, man, if I can really knock it out of the park here, maybe I'll go to London in two to three years. Like maybe he'll give me a shot. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated. The owner of this company was so blown away. He sent me to London June, June 2nd. That's beautiful. That's and I was in London six times after that. I became the head of the newly created international department. I went to Hong Kong. I went to Sydney. I went to Brisbane. I went to South Africa. I went to Paris. I went to Rio. So this, what I thought was going to be the bank that was going to get me to London so I could be locked up in a room being an analyst for 18 hours a day. Actually, I ended up getting a way better gig. I traveled the whole world and I was in control of my destiny, right? Small company, very entrepreneurial. And so that's just an example of like, when you think about it enough and you talk about it enough, it just happens. And it rarely happens how you think it'll happen, but it's often way more beautiful. And I, that's the mantra I live and it hasn't let me down yet. And that's, that's incredible to me. I mean, look, listen to you. You mentioned intuition. Um, you earlier said something that struck me. You said when most people do X and it takes them 12 hours and they follow a certain way, I look at it and I want to do it differently. I want to experience it differently. And sometimes it takes me 24 hours to begin with. But then I keep doing it, I learn, I stumble, and I end up actually doing it in six hours instead. What struck me here, Tim, and that connects potentially massively, I think, with intuition and with manifestation. That self-talk, most people I know in coaching, what we try to work on is that those people who sometimes maybe try to do the, the traditional way to do it in 12 or they have your idea and they say, you know, what if I try this? And actually ends up taking 24 hours. Here's what most people do. They go and beat themselves up. You failed. You're a failure. How did you try this? You're stupid. And when I look at you, you are someone who say, you know what? It took me 24 hours, but I enjoyed it. There's that alignment, that clarity between Tim the, the person who's driving the, the vehicle and the inner Tim. And when, when, of course, you have to have that connection with your inner child, with your inner self, because you're flowing in life. And this is where it, it is important. If I go and try something different to advance myself and then it doesn't work and I beat myself up, and then I'm having a shitty relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And that person who I'm always fighting, I'm always criticizing, then criticizing me back. Then we have a voice who constantly has this crappy talk telling you about how you can't, how you're terrible. But then here, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds you have a different language in talking to that inner self of yours. 
And now the, instead of that uh, person criticizing you all the time, making you down to yourself, making you, it's actually coming up with ideas with you. It's like, hey, let's play, yeah, let's play a game. And then you listen to them. You let them come up with crazy, wild ideas of how can we get there. And in Joe Dispenza, who talks a lot about manifestation, that alignment with our soul, with our inner self is extremely important because it's almost like that inner self also prays on our behalf. It connects with the universe. It connects with the energy of the universe to make things happen for us, even if it's in an unexpected ways. Does that ring a bell? A hundred percent. You know, it, it's the old adage, there's no losing. There's only winning and learning, right? If you have that mentality, you're going to, I think you're going to be a lot happier and you're going to enjoy a lot more. Listen, you don't want to be, you don't want to be reckless, right? So if something takes 24 hours, you got to look back and you say, what worked? What didn't work? What can I pull from that? If you just put the blinders on and continue to run, you know, uh, you're never going to reach sunset when you're run, running in the wrong direction. So it's balancing between the two, but constantly pulling away learnings um, so that you can get better. And yeah, I think, I think that's the key. Self-sabotage is, is a dangerous thing. I think people self-sabotage success a lot. I think that I'm actually entering a new phase of my career because well, while I wouldn't have said I self-sabotage in the past, I think I, I put limits. I would always say, ah, you know, I don't need to make a million bucks a year, right? It's not like I have such a great life now. I'm making great money. I'm making way more than so many people out there. I have a great home. I travel. I do all these things. Why do I need more money? It's greedy. And this was a limiting belief. Now it's if I make a million dollars, I can give away all the Delta that I'm making from now, but think about how much impact I can make. Uh, because I feel like that's, you know, just not li removing limiting beliefs, you know, self -sat for me, a lot of times what I, you know, a lot of people will, uh, you know, drink or turn to drugs or whatever when they're depressed. I often, one of my self-sabotaging patterns is to drink and celebrate when things are going really well. And then I go from here down to here because now I'm hungover or I need to sleep in the next few mornings. I can't wake up at four and do amazing things like this. So that's a self-sabotage pattern that I still balance with because I have this blueprint that I've created through work and through college and through social circles that when things are really good, you celebrate them. And it's finding that balance. Uh, so again, it goes back to the wheel of life. I'm always like reflect, self-reflecting on this and trying to reverse engineer. Why do I feel the way I feel? The, you know, the, the, it was interesting. Um, I, I had some coaching, personal coaching. And so this is why I, I learned to, to look at the world in this lens. Yeah. And there would be, so I'm a sales guy by nature, right? There was this week I had the biggest sales week in my career. By Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was feeling depressed. Not like clinically depressed, but that feeling, that feeling down. Yeah. Why, why the hell do I feel like this? I just had, and we work so much, right? You know, it's over, you know, when you factor in sleep, it's over 50% of your life often that you're working on your job, career, whatever it is. And so I looked at that and said, why is that? And 
I looked at other the other parts of my life and I said, oh, I've been neglecting this or I, you know, I, I wasn't thinking much about it, but I was going for a run and I had kind of crazy pump up music and, you know, just that getting that energy out put me in a different state. I've looked for clues along the way and said, sometimes it's the little tiniest things. It's not the the huge bonus or the the, the trip to Cancun that we think is going to get us in this euphoric state. Sometimes it's, you know, reading a bedtime story with your kids for five minutes and having them cuddle with you that all of a sudden is the tipping point. So I like to document all these little things, track the, the small successes, and then look at them and say, why do I feel so good? I had zero sales this week. Why do I feel like life is so incredible and I, I would want nothing else in this moment? It's like, whoa, did a special thing with Erica this week. We had some alone time. Oh, you know, got involved. I, you know, I gave some time back and did some charitable stuff. Oh, you know, I, I took care of my health this week. I exercised, my energy's up. That That's the key. And when you talk about rituals, I think because it's uh, that it's the same skill of business, right? It's always analyzing, always strategizing, but to feel fulfilled, there's no formula. It's art, right? It's constantly changing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I am incredibly honored to have you as a guest on the show. Just looking at what, what you said, the rituals that we covered, the way you have this incredibly healthy relationship with your inner self, where it is not conditional love. I'm not gonna love me only if I achieve. I love me now just for being, for playing. Let's have some fun. Let's go at this life in curiosity rather than constantly looking for the result. It's, um, I remember a recent quote that I read in a book the Way of Kings uh, by Brandon Sanderson. And it says, we're not creatures of destinations. It's a journey that shapes us. And, and I just love how your journey is way richer than whatever destination. Destinations, we get there. And as you said, we sometimes get to the goals. Goals are only drugs that last for a few hours, sometimes maximum a few weeks, right? And then it's going to be the next goal. And if our life is constantly shaped by only, I'm gonna only love myself. I'm gonna only be nice to myself. I'm only gonna enjoy life. When I reach that goal, then really you're having a timeline with only a blips of happiness. And that's a very, um, I would say it's a painful way. It's a ironic way of living. It's cliche. And I yeah. love how you turned it around to live, to implement a lot of these little techniques. Because one thing that I we didn't get time to cover is your path of massive, massive action. You want something, you go massive action at it. Yeah, I'm intense, 100%. I, I, that's part of the game, right? It's just to be in, you know, all things just focused on it. And that, that's how you get results or good or bad, right? So when you take massive action, you can massively learn, not fail, massively learn really quickly. And then that's good. You go, oh, I'm glad I didn't take three months to figure that out, right? Yeah. But yeah. no, listen, Jack, it, thanks for having me on. It's been, it, it's just such a pleasure to 
in the journey of life to meet people like you in parts of the world like Fiji and my business is based in London. And so when the lockdown stopped and I'm going back over there to visit with my team, I, I very much look forward to connecting, right? That's what it's all about. Brother here, you have a home yeah. here, 100%. Yeah. Your family. Your family. And, you know, I just want to, you know, in, in closing, one comment, things we didn't really talk about is contribution. And I think, you know, giving back and tapping into that is, is that's really where the game goes to the next level. And, you know, going back to all the things, mentors and incredible people I've met, what I found, you know, I think there's this really unfortunate uh, label on very successful people that they're greedy and they don't pay taxes and all this stuff. When you get to really know some of the, the successful people that are really moving and shaking in, in the world's industries, they give so much. And I see that firsthand. And that has inspired me and touched me in a way I can't even describe. And I remember years ago, so we give um, lifetime achievement awards in different regions and we put on a big gala dinner. It's part of our business platform. So as part of that, I get to interview these moguls of industry. And then when we do tribute videos, I interview their circle. You want to talk about a peer group that's incredible? Nice. Unbelievable. Um, they all give incredible amounts, time, money, uh, mentorship. And it, it was so inspiring. I was in my mid twenties. I said, I need to get involved in this. I don't know how I don't really have, I can't write, you know, seven figure checks, but I got time. I got energy. Right. And so I started to get invited to different charitable boards to be the fly in the wall clients of mine. Again, said, Tim, we want to help you. You have a gr great intention here. We'll get you in this world. You can see how it works. I remember I tried raising money for, for some folks, but I found it really difficult. Um, the cause was great. Wasn't really centric to what I do, but uh, it was a great cause. And I remember, oh, let me phone some clients and see if they want to get involved in this. I found it very difficult. Asking for money is different than business. It's a totally different game. But nonetheless, it sent me down this path of philanthropy and seeing the beauty of it. And, you know, the last few years, whenever someone comes to me with something, even if, you know, we are not in the financial position to give a lot or it's not a cause that's really, you know, big uh, on my personal radar, well, Eric and I will always try to give a little bit just out of principle. Um, but what, what I love when you go to Tony Robbins, he has the, for financial planning, he has your security bucket, your risk bucket, and your dream bucket. And at a high level, the dream bucket is the material things. And what he always wraps it in, it's always a very emotional and powerful exercise, is the dream bucket on things you could do and achieve to give. And it always gets very, very, uh, the energy in that room whenever that happens is so powerful. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it away, kind of tying everything in to this conversation we've had, people and relationships, travel and culture, um, you know, giving, right? And thinking outside the box. There was a man I met years ago uh, in Cape Town, South Africa. I, I proposed to Erica there. I brought her there on a business trip with me. And this individual pulls up, his name is Burton Kamuntu. He was our cab driver. And we absolutely fell in love with this man and again, uh, it was genuine, right? So we, had, we have been 
brothers or friends in a past lifetime because the, the connection of our souls was so instantaneous. I love it when that happens. Oh, and amazing. And you're just like, here's a guy driving cabs in, in Cape Town, South Africa. And I'm from Houston. My wife's from Mexico. such a, uh, an unlikely, uh, you know, friendship, right? So we, we, he's part of our engagement story. He drove us around. He's in our engagement photos. We had this amazing connection. We kept in touch over the years. He called me March 1st of this year. And he said, my brother, he goes, I, I, need, I need your help. And I said, well, what's going on? He goes, my son's got a scholarship to the U.S. It's like, oh, my God, that's unbelievable. And he said, but it's a 50% scholarship and we owe $23,000. I don't know what else to do. And I woke up this morning and God said, call Tim Powell. He can help. You're my last resort, my brother. I hate to put this burden on you, but can you help? And I mean, <laughs> I didn't know what to do in that moment. I remember I'm coming off the back of Fiji. One of the biggest things for Eric and I was to plan financially and cut out a lot of the expenses. And so this was not in the plan to write a big check. And we didn't have the cash on that hand. And what transpired has been the most profound thing in my life. We've raised $62,000 for his son's college since March. All the relationships. Now, going back to Fit to 49, always doing the right thing. Maybe it was to get a business transaction with somebody, but maybe in God's plan, it was so I had the leverage to call them up to help my friend. And that's the beautiful part of life that you can't plan. But I got to tell you, COVID's been a weird year for a lot of reasons. But I'm going to look back at 2020 and say it was one of the most beautiful years of my life because of this. And uh, if you get in that state, it all comes to – it's just um, – it, it, it's the best, Jack. It, it really is. And, it, and I could it, see the impact of the beauty of that journey on you, not yeah. only – not only on the life-changing act that you and your network have done, but I could see it in you. You're experiencing right now this euphoria. This, it's, it's and he's teaching us, right? I mean, the, the man is pure light. He, he deserves everything in the world, and we just have the resources and the tools and we're the right role players to deliver it. And it's just, yeah, you, you can't script this stuff, right? No. It's just if you follow, if you have that intuition you work hard and you go down a path knowing just the right things are going to happen even if it's not in the short term but in the long term the right things are going to happen along the journey really cool things happen yeah some material things like trips and but relationships and things like this and uh makes you feel good when you go to bed at night right so and that's my my closing story uh when you put I your actually, energy there yeah. We're talking about closing, I, before that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your podcast because I think this is an opportunity for a lot of people to keep, um, to follow you. But before that, I just want to acknowledge the incredible reward of contribution. Growth and contribute. We have six human needs. They need for certainty, they need for variety, they need for connection and love and the need for significance. But then we have the final two are the need for growth and the need for contribution. And these are spiritual needs. They reward you spiritually in incredible ways where it actually creates that euphoria that you just experienced just by remembering the opportunity of, of giving someone unconditionally. But another thing that I want to highlight here, there was a, 
this guy is an incredible heart that you've you've stood by and you have an incredible heart and it's a lot of times there was a time in my life where i grew up watching these cartoons and if you're good you know you're gonna uh, always win and everything's gonna be good and you're always gonna be on top in terms of like uh, the evil is never gonna defeat you and at some point after the, my divorce after things didn't go my way i gave up and i gave up for a while and i just okay this i was a, maybe a child and i gave up a lot of my values and i must say it, was, it took me until someone i hurt uh, inadvertently uh, a lady i dated and just she looked at me and she she said she looked and said you think you are a man of honor but the way you behaved in this instance it was not honorable and it was not manly and it hit me that shattered that shook you back into uh right it hit me, it hit me big time and i and I remember why did I, it like allowed me to ask myself questions. When did I give up? Because I didn't know really that I given up. It was step by step by step by step. So what about this, right, Jack? Uh, life happens for you, not to you. 100%. Maybe you went in a divorce to then date, to meet her so that you had that insight. So you can turn 100%. your life around. 100%. I definitely in losing a lot of the things that I built to make my kingdom, on the external, I have actually had to rebuild, but internally. And that's been worth a thousand times over. But I really want to point out here to our, the people watching, people listening, is that if you think the same, that perhaps being good is, is cheesy, it's romantic, it's only in cartoons, it's only in movies, I want to assure you, and there's a life example here with Tim, if you follow your heart, if you really love, if you are authentic, it's like you become part of a global family that maybe the news is not gonna talk about much. It's so neglected on social media. Well, to a large extent, not 100%, but you become part of a global family and there are people who want to give, the people who, who will see that heart and they will do their best. If they can't help you themselves, maybe to ask their network of people who are good hearted to come stand together. And it always comes in incredible ways. The, the ROI on doing the right thing is always positive. And the more you think like that, you, never lose. you live that out, the more you'll attract people like that. And the better your peer group, the better your life comes and it's a snowball effect. So I, I echo everything you're saying, 100%. And we spoke earlier about uh, the help, basically, I helped out Tim uh, with some of the background work that he does to run some of his projects, is I introduced him to Sidekicks.co. So we have a partnership with them, and they generously agreed to give 15% discounts to anyone who would come through, listen to the show, and would come and would like to benefit from their uh, virtual assistance. So if you like, please hit on the link below or send an email to info at jackeckermaui.com, and we are going to send you out a code that will give you 15% discount on their virtual assistance services for three months. So this is for you guys, it's a gift, but Tim. I'm about to get started. I had my intro call with them. I'm very, very excited. Um, I've always been a do everything yourself type of guy. Mm. And so starting to ask, asking for help is, 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 a, is okay. So I'm starting to ask for help. 
and um, I'm excited about. So thanks for that intro, Jack. I, I'm really looking forward to the next chapter in this journey. I, they are incredible. They actually edit all my videos, all my sound uh, bites. They help me out with the content writing. They cleared my email, my 6,000 emails when I started with them way back. Uh, they cleared it in a, in a few days and only highlighting the important ones. It's incredible uh, relationship I have with them. But Tim, for the people who want to learn more about you, who want to follow you, could you please tell us a bit about your podcast? And we're going to put a link in the bottom there for them. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, this is more of a, a global, general, industry agnostic audience. So no need to get too in the weeds on that. If you're oil and gas, just Google Oil and Gas Council podcast and you'll you'll find it. Um, if you want to put a link, I'll do a self-plug here. The Hope Joy Kamuntu and Burton Kamuntu that I mentioned, we have a video that we put together. Eric actually did the editing. It's like a mini documentary. That's your incredible wife. I would, yeah, I would love, it's a very powerful, if you want to feel good going to the holidays, watch this video. It's inspiring. It's lifting. I'd love for you to put a link into that, Jack, uh, uh, if, if you don't mind. That, that would be my, my Consider plug. Consider it done. Consider it done. Consider it done. Excellent. All right, my friend. God bless. Thank you for your time. Thank you Can't very much for your time, Tim. And uh, send my love to Erica and the kids. It's, it's been incredible insight today, an incredible gift just to listening to you today. Thank you very wow. much.